Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is the Ocean Protect podcast, talking about the issues that face our oceans and what we can do about it. Presented by Ocean Protect, committed to change. Welcome to the Ocean Protect podcast. Thank you so much for having me and great pronunciation there. Well, can I tell you, we ask the hard-hitting questions on this show and this is the first one I want to ask you because I'm Brad <laughs> Dalrymple, so D-A-L-R-Y-M-P-L-E, et cetera. You're Lottie DL. Now, how do you get DL out of... And I'll spell your surname, D-A-L-Z-H-I-E-L. You, you spelt it wrong, but you pronounced oh, it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> How did I get that wrong? So it's D-A-L-Z-I-E-L. Sorry. Maybe a bit of a typo. Anyway, but it has five silent letters. It's the most ridiculous last name yeah. in the world. It's actually Scottish. Really random, but apparently this is the story goes that when we arrived in Australia, the DLs, half of them were like, this is ridiculous, screw it. <laughs> we're going to be Dalziels or Dazelles or something like that. And then my stubborn side were like, no, we have to upright history. We need to keep on going and we need to have the correct pronunciation. So wow. here we go. I wouldn't have even guessed DL, but I've actually listened to a couple of your podcasts where you've been interviewed by others and dare I say most people get it wrong. They say, Lottie Dal Dal zeal yeah. and you, you must be cringing on the inside so I was determined to get it right even though I got the spelling wrong <laughs> that's right <laughs> I actually don't mind it now because I'm used to it yeah. it's quite funny seeing how people pronounce it I'm intrigued to know how I, I might be able to pronounce Dalrymple now because Dalrymple mm. is a shocking surname to spell pronounce you name it talk to whatever see I, so, I think I know a couple of Dalrymples ah. so for me it's quite an easy one. Oh, we are very famous mm. as I'm sure you appreciate <laughs> but uh, look I've obviously done a bit of research about you I, I love learning more about people and obviously you're quite the entrepreneur it has to be said you seem to have co-founded and founded a bunch of companies so I'm intrigued to know as, as a schoolgirl, were you want that kid who was like selling lemonade on the on the streets <laughs> and to their neighbors and just trying to earn a dollar however she could I was I was that person <laughs> and at the time I didn't really think it was that funny. Yeah. I just thought it was normal. We were my brother and I used to sell mulberries. Mulberries, that, yeah, yes. From our tree. We used to sit outside on a weekend and try and sell them. We'd have recipes. You could go home and make your pavlova with them. And it was so ridiculous. But I just didn't really think anything of it. I yeah. just thought that was what you did on a weekend, which now looking back on it goes a little bit, oh, that's probably not something that a seven or eight year old would normally think about doing. No. <laughs> but I don't know, it just keeps on happening. They just keep on popping up. 
all of these business ideas and I just keep on going, well, there has to be a solution. I feel like that's what entrepreneurs are. They're just a problem solvers and there's lots of problems to be solved. There is a lot of problems to be solved and you've obviously focused your attention on solving the problem of trying to protect our planet in the best way possible. And you've used this entrepreneurial flair and your sort of social media and digital marketing background. And it's I love, I think it was Steve Jobs who says, you, you can only join the dots looking backward. You can't join them looking forward. You're now co-founder, oh, sorry, founder of Banish, as well as uh, another enterprise called Little Pepino. And I guess, first up, what is Banish for the uninitiated? Yes, so Banish is an online store and education platform that helps people reduce their waste. Mm. So the reason why I started it was I want to reduce my waste. It was one of these crazy news resolutions as we all have them. We've got too many of them and none of them actually happen. But this one did happen because I was trying to reduce my waste a couple of years ago and I found it so difficult. Mm. It was confusing. It was hard. I didn't even know where to look apart Mm. from I'd do a Google search of kind of what is the best straw and then all of these options would come up but they wouldn't really tell me why. Mm. I should go for a stainless steel straw and I was kind of going, well, had a journalistic background at the time and I was going, well, we need to make this so easy that people have no reason not to. They just type it in or they just go and look at the different options available and they go, of course, Mm. yes, stainless steel is the Mm. best option. But when I was doing my research into buying and swapping to these reusable products, often they were more expensive. And also I was often thinking that I was buying them from a actually sustainable store Mm. and they really weren't. And they were kind of wrapped in plastic or they contained palm oil. There was all of these issues with them and I felt really disheartened. But rather than kind of let that swallow me, I went, well, no, I could make this solution for people. So Banish was born in a way to educate people on how to live more sustainably, but also to give them these amazing businesses who are actually doing the right thing, who when you talk to them and you interview them before we onboard them, we kind of say, look, none of our products can contain palm oil, for example. They say, yeah, of course, here's all of our certification. We Mm, would never touch the stuff. So it's looking at those kind of businesses. You go, oh, well, of course we want to hero you. Of course we want everybody to know about you, but those times tiny businesses and those people in these remote and rural communities often don't have those platforms to reach large audiences. So that was why kind of Banish has this unique point of education, but then also e-commerce combined. Look, can I tell you, I think this is an amazing initiative. Like I think Banish is reasonably new. It's like two or three years old. Is that right? Three years, yeah. Three years. And look, I, as you uh, found out, uh, I I thought I could sneak a purchase in without you knowing about it, but you're onto it. Uh, Clearly, (laughs) I went onto your website website this morning i went on there looking for a kitchen brush you know to wash my dishes in the, in the morning and evening and lo and behold i went i left with about uh, i think 130 dollars worth of product <laughs> i was amazed how much stuff there was but i think from my consumer perspective it was actually really attractive because there was a whole bunch of products on there which i guess are actually hard to find individually. If I was to go out there shopping and trying to find, a, I need a stainless steel straw or I want a scrubbing brush or I want socks or whatever I might. <laughs> and as a guy, as a side note, I don't like shopping either. I don't want to go to the shops. I find it dull and, un- and unappealing. And to go online and find all these, I guess, little things I can buy. And I think the big attractive thing also was the fact that I actually had a pretty good feeling, a high level of confidence that it actually was sustainably sourced. I sort of have come across you before and I know you, you know, obviously are very passionate about sustainability and I just had a sort of a a high level of confidence basically in you as a person and I guess as a supplier. I also had a warm, fuzzy feeling about all the individual suppliers are obviously providing these products. They would probably have a hard time getting to someone like me as well, whether it be the person making the hand-knitted 
dishcloths or the, the straws or whatever, they are obviously benefiting greatly from having you as their avenue to me as a consumer. I also think it's that they've got the power of one another because as yeah. I was saying before this was when you buy a reusable option, say you were to buy a safety razor, mm, for example, mm, mm. you shouldn't need to buy another safety razor ever again. That's kind of yours for the next 15 mm, years unless mm. something goes really wrong. So you don't really need to have that brand rapport or that woman mm. fuzzy feeling with the razor brand, mm. but you could come and buy the razor and then a couple of months later go, actually, that was a really great user experience. I'm going to go back and buy my bar of soap yeah. or my socks. So it's kind of working this kind of all of these sustainable businesses working together because I think they often compete with each other because they go, well, consumers have only got a certain amount of money to spend. Yeah. If they're going to be sustainable, what are the first swaps they're going to make? Yeah. And they're kind of fighting against one another, but this is kind of turning them to work together, which I think is really powerful. And it's about being part of this network where we can help one another. And, and I guess from a, I don't want to sound lazy, but for any sort of, I do want to do good and I think a lot of people want to do good, but it does have to be simple and convenient. So it's like it's like being a vegan. Like a lot of people want to reduce their consumption of meat, but if they go to a restaurant and they can't find the, a, a non-meat option or whatever, they'll obviously choose the meat option and it obviously just makes it difficult basically. So but going to a sort of a little one-stop shop online, I don't have to get out of my pyjamas uh, and just, click a few things and, and it's on, on the way. It's, it's just, again, simple and convenient as a real winner from my perspective. And it's really odd. It's just quite new. It's only what, two or three years old, which is yeah. fantastic. I believe this is going to be a killer of, of an idea. Like I know you've got 467 products now. I feel as though I'm standing next to the next empire builder, basically, <laughs> uh, global empire builder of Lottie DL. So it's really impressive. And Thank look, you. let's face it, like you're, you're quite young as well. Like I know you've gone from mulberry sales and there's a whole bunch of other sort of initiatives that you've developed over the years but it's an incredible achievement really do you know hats off to you really thank you no i absolutely love it and i couldn't imagine mm. doing anything else it's so funny looking back on kind of working full time and then you obviously get to the point where you go well i have to take the plunge now and i need to make banish my full time yeah but now looking back i go oh of course makes yeah. sense of course it makes sense yeah <laughs> oh i wouldn't do anything else because it was a side hustle how do you go from having an idea, working a full-time job, thinking I might try and develop this idea a little bit further into what it is today? Yeah, well, I was, yeah, I was working full-time at the time and I just think with any business it's a risk. You don't know if it's going to sure. work. I had what I thought was a pretty great idea, but mm. I wasn't sure if anybody else thought it was a good idea. So the biggest safety net is to do it while you've still got somebody else paying your bills. Totally. So that's <laughs> why I decided to start it. It's definitely not easy doing it as a side yeah. hustle and it's a big time management. Yeah job in itself yeah. but I think it's a really good idea for people to kind of straddle the two until you work it out because the worst thing that can happen is that you go oh, actually that wasn't a really great business idea mm. nobody actually likes it but yeah. you have still got a job to keep on going yeah, to sure. and then you can have another idea and test that one out and yeah. see what actually takes off and it's harder like you didn't enjoy your job I guess you had a pretty good job loved my job yeah loved my job so I was working for women's health and men's health magazine yeah. in their digital team running their digital social media websites everything dream job I did nutrition and media at uni it was kind of the goal was to get there so pretty much straight out of university you've done a I think it was a communications degree yeah media the, and communications and nutrition so you've basically stepped out of university and got this dream job at this amazing place yeah 
It wasn't meant to happen that quickly. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't. I started working in fashion, first of all. That was kind of my way into the magazine world. And then, yeah, this opportunity at Women's Health first came along. And then as that grew and developed and I kind of proved myself there, then I got the opportunity to also take on men's health and the team there. And it was amazing. And I absolutely loved it, which made it so much harder because I was kind of loving my day job but then also loving my side hustle. So really what happened in the end was I was just completely burning out as a human being because I was just burning the stick at both ends and just going, okay, so what's going to give? And at the end of the day I thought, you know what, I will – just give it a try. And the worst thing, because I am so young, is that I can give it a try, it doesn't work, and then I'm pretty employable to still yeah. go back into the workforce. Yeah. So I went, well, I'll take that risk yeah. rather than me kind of going, okay, well, I'm going to keep on with this amazing job and then Banish can wait because it can't. It yeah. couldn't wait. Yeah. It was three years ago. that People weren't really talking about sustainability then. It was a gut feeling that I had. It was a thought because I kind of had read the research and knew what mm. was happening around the planet. And I was going, well, nothing's going to change unless we do. Sure. And so that's why I jumped on it. Wow. And you mentioned sustainability and I listened to your wonderful podcast quite a few times now. Well, you came on that wonderful podcast. (laughs) I I, I listened to that episode. I listened to that episode all day long. (laughs) Yeah. um, uh, Yes, I did. (laughs) I did listen to that podcast episode for sure, but I have listened to some others as well. And one thing I noticed on on all the episodes I've listened to is you asked the question, what does sustainability mean to you? So Lottie DL, the microphone is now reversed. What does sustainability mean to you? you? Gosh, see, this is a really good question, which is why I ask it to everybody (laughs) because I just love it. And I think even since starting the podcast, Sustainability Further, it has completely changed because of the answers that I've received from people because probably old me would have said that sustainability is living within your means. It's living like you intend to stay. Mm. It's kind of you want to be sustainable in the fact that you want to have clean oceans and you want to have, I don't know, clean air, everything like that. But I would go further now to say that sustainability to me means actually giving back and it's restoration. Because I think if we look at the current state of our earth, it's not going to survive that way. Mm. So I think we need to be giving back to the planet. We yeah. need to be doing more than just kind of living here and doing our bit, yeah. if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I've actually found a really interesting, like it's a really interesting point you make because I remember hearing your podcast very early on. I think it started maybe a, a year or yeah, two ago. just about a year ago. Um, and I know from my, like I did an, an environmental engineering degree and sustainability and I think I probably gave you the definition I learned at university was, you know, uh, meeting society's uh, you know requirements without compromise and the ability of future generations to meet their own requirements. And that's probably the answer that probably is drilled into most environmental professionals. But you're right, there is another element to it in terms of this is the critical decade. There's so many warnings and I guess dire predictions associated with the future. We can't just essentially do the business as usual, you know, sustainability and inverted commons, you know, try and do the right thing, but, you know, don't want to work too hard. This is a really critical decade and we need essentially almost radical change. We can't continue business as usual. We need to change. But this is the wonderful thing I think about Banish as well. It, It is trying to achieve change. But also making that change and sustainability initiatives simple and convenient. You know, if we're trying, one of the things we need to do is reduce our consumer behavior. We need to, you know, consume less, but also those uh, things that we do consume need to be appropriately sustainable and reduce, have a low impact on the environment. But it's actually really hard to do that. Like if I was to try and fill my kitchen cupboard and bathroom and try and find clothes, et cetera, for me to try and do that myself, 
would take ages. And like you indicated, you can go out and buy a product and it can be wrapped in plastic and that just sort of makes you quite disheartened. So to make those decisions really simple and convenient is a real positive and actually does drive change for sure. No, and I think you're right. I think at the end of the day, my whole being is just about making it easier. I don't think that we realistically, like I don't think you and I could live without plastic. Mm. I don't think that that is a realistic goal for us to have, but we can significantly reduce our consumption sure. and we can do so many other things in our lifestyles. Mm. It's just making it so easy that there's no reason not to. Yeah. It's my whole thing yeah. is that when you go to the bin, you just go, yes, of course I know how to recycle that. Yeah. It goes into this bin or like, of course I can't be recycled, mm. for example. Yeah. Or when you're at the checkout, you just know how to shop better. I think that's what it needs to be. It needs to be second nature. It needs to be a part of our habits. And before a couple of years ago, people weren't talking about it. Yeah. It was that kind of thing that hippies did. Oh, of yeah. course, like hippies use kind of <laughs> bars of soap to wash their hair. And when now, they when they bathe at all, you exactly, know. Exactly. <laughs> the dreadlocks, they yeah. need to wash those. But it's, it's not that now. Everybody needs to be totally. doing it. So. Yeah. We just need to make it so that kind of the high-flying corporate guy can use a shampoo bar and nobody will care or think anything of it or, I don't know, using reusable cups is completely normal. That's what it needs to be, but people need to be just given it on a silver platter. We can't expect people to go out of their way. I know that sounds ridiculous, but we can't expect people to go out of their way to make these extra changes because that small group of people who will go out of their way to make those extra changes they already have. And what we need to do is we need to make the everyday person more accountable for their behavior without making them feel guilty, without kind of going, well, here's a strangling turtle and that was all because you used that plastic bag that one time. It goes, well, no, hang on. How can you kind of next time you need to buy shampoo, maybe look for more sustainable options. Or when you get takeaway, why don't you just say no to the knife and fork? Little things like that will make a really big difference, I think. And it's hardly like uh, people need to compromise on their luxury, for want of a better word. You know, like the the, the stuff I've at least seen on your um, websites obviously is very nice and and will obviously make me smell nice and make my hair look fabulous, (laughs) even more fabulous than it already is Mm, potentially, you know. (laughs) But, yeah, it's it's not like we are growing dreadlocks and not bathing for weeks on end and and living in a cave. Like we can still live a very comfortable and, dare I say, ridiculously good-looking lifestyle. Exactly. and use stuff basically. Yeah. And the thing is like my life hasn't significantly changed. Mm. My lifestyle and the way I've, the way I live has changed in some little bits here or there, but I've still got the same friendship group. I haven't lost friends because they go, oh, well, <laughs> now you're in the user bar of soap to wash. <laughs> Everything's completely fine. I didn't buy clothes. So I think it was two years. Nobody cared. Mm. It's just those little things mm. that we all kind of build this up to society. Like, oh, you'd know, got a new event. You have to get a new dress. Like that, those little things. Oh, yeah, all the time. Of course. <laughs> People have seen me on Instagram wearing that dress, so I have to wear something different oh. this weekend. <laughs> that kind of stuff. We need to kind of change the narrative so that people just go, okay, well, like outfit repeating is great. It's easy. Who cares? Nobody notices at the end of the day. Outfit repeating. This is something I do every day. So. <laughs> great. <laughs> I have two pairs of jeans basically and I wear them all the time. Yeah. But obviously Banished is is your own little niche and, and from my perspective it is growing significantly and it probably will boom in the next five, ten years. But what about the Coles and the Woolies and those sort of guys? I know they've recently signed this pact around reducing plastic. Are you finding them sort of trying to do what you're doing as well or, or what's the, what's the situation there? To be honest, I find it a good thing. I think yeah. we need to normalise yeah. this. Yeah. Okay. I think if you could go to Coles and Woolworths and get all of the items that we're selling, then mm. that would be amazing. I went, we're on holidays at the moment, and I went to Coles and Woolworths to buy 
buy a bar of soap the mm. other day. Couldn't buy one without palm oil in it. Is that right? And it's just little things like that. I couldn't believe it. I was picking up staggering. all of these items going, of course, this one looks like it's a more sustainable option. Yeah. It looked like it had paper packaging. Amazing. No. Wow. And so I think at the end of the day, it's not a competition. We're all fighting for a better planet. I know that sounds like I'm a terrible business mm, owner, mm. but at the end of the day, we want these options to be more readily available. There should be a more sustainable option when you go to the supermarket. It should be that easy for people just to walk down an aisle and rather than buying plastic cling film, be able to buy beeswax wraps. Mm. It's about that. I think we want these big organizations to get on board, but also we need them to be accountable for the waste that they're producing, oh, not just yeah. in terms of packaging but in terms of food waste yeah. in terms of the suppliers who they're using yeah. be, we need to look at the transparency around that because i think there's so much work to be done and i think the plastic packaging pact is an amazing initiative mm. and i think it's great to see these big organizations taking these steps mm. but there's still so much to do there is a lot to do i mean the fact that you still have pears and apples with a little plastic sticker on each and one of them and i was actually at a, at a litter congress in sydney a few weeks ago and there was a guy from Woolworths sort of on a panel and he got absolutely hammered. The audience was full of these, uh, I guess, community group representatives sort of who pick up litter on their weekends and stuff and they just let rip on this poor guy and he was like, oh, it's not sort of really my area. And, but you can sort of see where he's coming from. Like he, Woolworths want to make profit and they're not in the business of supplying goods and services. They're in the business of making money. And from my perspective, they will change if they believe it's in their commercial interest to do so. Obviously, they might whack lyrical about trying to do the most sustainable thing whatever but ultimately their primary focus will be on on financial gain and and if and if they recognize that consumer behavior is demanding alternative or more sustainable products than what they are currently providing they will shift and i guess it's about that awareness as well so whilst you're involved in this sort of amazing business enterprise there is certainly an educational arm to what you do as well which i think is absolutely critical I mean, just to hear from you now to, to, to hear hey every bar of soap in x supermarket is has got palm oil in it that's a, a real eye-opener yeah. for me but also i think a lot of people wouldn't even know what to even look for when it comes to sustainability you know i guess the next question would be what what sort of criteria do you use to assess whether a product is sustainable in inverted commas? A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is just an impossible question. Yeah, it's, there's really. just so many different things because yeah. if you were to look at kind of the beauty industry versus household products mm. versus breads, there's so yeah. many different options. So I think you kind of need to pick your poison. Mm. So to start with, my poison was plastic. It was mm. all about reducing my mm. plastic consumption. That was my initial thing was, okay, how can I cut down on that? I'll choose paper or glass packaging over choosing plastic and now it's kind of level two we've leveled up and now we're looking at what's in the products so 40 percent of the products on supermarket shelves will contain palm oil 
40% of all products yeah. in a supermarket shelf will contain palm oil, yeah. which obviously for the listeners who might not be aware, they chop down the palm trees and the, which the chimp was the orangutans hang at it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something I, this is not the, I'm trying to rack my brain for this exact statistic, but it's something like 300 football fields an hour. That is the deforestation. It's rates. deforested to make pl- palm trees. For palm and, yeah, oil. palm oil trees. Yeah, yeah, for palm oil plantations. That's crazy. So, and the thing with palm oil is, it's a great. It's like plastic. It's a great product. It was invented for a reason. Sure. Palm oil is that thing that sets items. Mm. So it's kind of in your bars of soap because it sets them. Mm. It's in your chocolates because then they don't melt on the shelves. It's in ice cream because then they don't get all kind of flaky or when mm. you put them in the freezer and they get a bit kind of icy. That's because they often probably wouldn't contain palm oil. It's one of these things. It was invented for a reason. It's That's why it's used so much. But we just didn't understand at the time the impact that it would have on mm, the planet. Sure. And it's the same with plastic. When it was invented, it was great. It was amazing. It was hygienic. It was clean. It could come in all of these fancy different colors. You could print on it. You could make it in different thicknesses. Like mm. You understand mm. why it was created. Mm. Mm. But the biggest design flaw with plastic was the disposal of it. Mm. The biggest design flaw with palm oil is the kind of the creation of it, Mm. getting it. Mm. So again, it comes down to our consumer buying power. It's like what you were saying again with Woolworths and Coles and these big organizations, they're going to be driven by what we're purchasing. Mm. So if we are looking for those items that do not contain palm oil, we're supporting the industries that are fighting against it. So that's we're helping those small businesses or those big businesses but we're still helping them. It's like when you go to Coles and Woolworths and if you buy the loose carrots, for example, over the plastic bags Mm. of carrots, it's ridiculous that the plastic bags of carrots are cheaper than buying them loose. But you are using your buying power then to say, no, this is what I want. This is what I want to do. And I think that's what we need to remember is that you can maybe feel small and you can feel like you're one person. And why does it matter if you buy that one item this time? Mm. Or I've forgotten my plastic bag, so it's fine because it's just one time. Mm. And yes, it is just one time, but if you can be doing this in the long run, you're really sending a message and together we're like this little army up the ranks kind of going, this is what we want and this is what we're standing for. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure the big supermarkets and other companies will be listening to this sort of stuff. Like they know that they must know they they need to change. And I guess that's the sort of the advantages of, of awareness. Like I guess in probably, you know, 10, 20 years ago, we can probably plead a little bit of the ignorance as a human race to say oh look we didn't really understand climate change that well we didn't understand the magnitude of the plastic pollution problem in our oceans etc we didn't know about the orangutans getting all their trees cut down but that argument's just not present anymore we are the generation that know what the the consequences are of our actions we know some of the significant issues facing our planet climate change deforestation biodiversity loss plastic pollution in our oceans etc so we know these things and as a result we we are almost obliged to act appropriately like we don't want to be looked back in future generations and, and have people look at us and go really you guys knew about all these issues and did nothing and that's just outrageous. So obviously is up to us to change. But again, that change does need to be supported by a simple and convenient sort of infrastructure and, and mechanisms like banished and like other things as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think it's a really exciting opportunity. I, I agree. Like Absolutely. I think I, I get asked so many times, like, aren't you just so disheartened yeah. by this? Don't you feel so disappointed? Mm. And I'm going, no, mm. it is so exciting. There is so much opportunity. You can just see. In everything that we do, there is opportunity for change. There is processes, implementation, products, 
innovation, it's all happening. So I yeah. think it's really exciting. And I think it'll be amazing to look back in a 20 years time, 30 years time and kind of go, I can't believe how we were living like yeah. that. But look how cool is the stuff yeah. that we're using now and what we're doing. Yeah, I agree. I think the narrative around environmental issues does need to change. We, we got to move away from this doom and gloom. Oh, we're all stuffed or whatever. Or it's going to be so hot or it's going to be more plastic in the ocean than fish by 2050, et cetera. It's actually a this is a, an amazing challenge. Like what what, a, what a, a golden opportunity to sort of, you know, pick up your sword and, and charge towards the, the enemy basically. I think it's fantastic. Like it's like Independence Day, you know, when all the aliens came down and they wanted to fight <laughs> the human race and we all got together and collectively, you know, fought them back and, and won. And, you know, this is, for my mind, some of the issues we're facing today, like climate change and deforestation, whatever, they are probably the biggest challenges this human race has ever faced. Forget about your world, world wars or whatever. This is the biggest challenge in my mind. But again, what a golden time in history to actually do something about it as well and be part of rewriting history and protecting our planet for future generations to come. Exactly. And I think we'll look back and probably laugh. We'll be telling the grandkids like, oh, we used to go to the supermarkets <laughs> and buy vegetables with fruit stickers on it yeah. or with they were wrapped in plastic and they will be laughing at yeah. us like, oh, my gosh, yeah. how did you do that? Yeah, it's like wearing bell bottoms and, you know, well, <laughs> I don't know, I've got some embarrassing old photos i'm sure you do like, perms you no know one needs to see those. <laughs> that's true that's true in a similar vein I, I, I am i am keen to talk about brad of course you are isn't brad amazing <laughs> so good <The> best. <laughs> ridiculously attractive i believe would <laughs> we're obviously not talking about me just to clarify but we are talking about well, you, you explain what Brad is. Yeah, so Brad <laughs> stands for the Banish Recycling and Disposal Program. Um, it wasn't actually named after you, sadly. Oh. Unfortunately, Brad, um, it was actually named after Brad Pitt because we wanted to keep. Never heard of him. Gosh, um, because the whole aim of the program is to keep your trash from going to the wrong pit. Want to give it to the right pit, which is our Brad. So we launched Brad in November last year because as I was reducing my personal waste, which it all comes down to that. It's it sounds so selfish, but I am the consumer. I'm yeah. the person who's going through everything like everybody else is. I I was kind of, I'd done my soft plastics, I've got my compost bin, I was doing all the right things, but there were still items that were coming into my rubbish bin at the end of yep. the week or the end of the month. And I was going, well, there has to be a solution for this. Mm. And that was why we launched Brad. So it is to, yeah, dispose of those kind of hard to recycle items. So everything from blister packs to beauty products to coffee capsules to, I don't know what, we've got so many different streams we're doing at the moment. But the whole thing, again, it comes down to making it easy. Yeah. I knew about all of these different programs and these projects that were happening and I was educating people and I was mm. telling them, so you take your batteries to here mm. and you take your e-waste to here. But at the end of the day, Brad is making it easier and simpler for everybody. So you just package everything up, you send it to us and then we sort it out and we recycle it for you. So it's pretty big. Brad's a bit of a beast. <laughs> he has grown. So I think we launched it at the end of November and we got seven parcels. And I was kind of patting myself on the back going, oh, this is pretty good. Like I'm really proud of the Banish community for getting involved mm -hmm. and whatever. Now we're probably getting about 80 or 90 a week. We hit about 350. No, we hit over 350 in April. We're at about 400 in May. It's just growing and growing and growing. And it's really exciting because it's just showing this, all of these amazing Australians who want to do the right thing. Yeah. They want to go that extra mile rather than just walking out to their general waste bin and yeah. throwing everything in. They want to package it up, take it to the post office and send it to us. It's mind blowing to me that people 
care that much about recycling. Mm. It's inspiring. It's really exciting. So yeah, then we're recycling it for everybody and happy days. So just backtrack a little bit. So if people want to join up to Brad, they send you an email. You say, no. What happens? So they pay for the postage. Right, okay. So they need to just write down our address, which is all yep. on the website. They just package up. We're encouraging people to use something they've already got at home. So it could be an old shoebox or they could turn ah, a okay. shipping. Like, you know, if you buy something online, you might get a plastic shipping sack yep. or turn it inside out. Just use something you've already got. Right. Somebody sent us a box ah, in their okay. wheat bix box the other right. day. So just fill it with all of your hard-to-recycle items that we've got listed on the website. Then you just go to the post office send it back to us we sort it out and then we'll send you a $15 voucher to spend it banish so the whole kind of thinking behind it is you would send us things like your plastic razors or your plastic toothbrushes and toothpastes then you would get that $15 voucher to then spend on things like a bamboo toothbrush or a safety razor for example so it's encouraging people again to make those sustainable swaps but we're also making it so easy for people to so, recycle. so people literally take a box or something from home. They send you their unwanted trash they they think might be recyclable. You give them back a, a discount voucher. Are you the person sorting out this rubbish? We've got a team of volunteers okay. <laughs> who are helping us. It is often me as well. Wow. So Because it's just exploded. It was literally in my backyard until probably two weeks ago. So on Sundays we'd have a team of volunteers coming over, sorting it out. We've just hit, we hit one tonne of waste a couple of weeks ago, which doesn't sound like that much. Mm. But when you think about mm. the fact that a blister pack weighs mm. six grams. Yeah. It's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of waste. Yeah. It's a lot. So, yeah, we open up those with those um, boxes, we sort them into each individual waste stream yep. and then they're recycled. So they go to one recycling group or? No, so to different ones. Wow. Yeah, so we use all Australian onshore recycling facilities. Right, and, and this material is recycled into other stuff basically. Yeah, so. well, it just depends on the yeah. waste stream really. Some of it will just be kind of separated and then sold on as kind of aluminium or plastic in general and then it just enters the streams again. But others will be kind of made into things like tables and chairs and furniture or the playgrounds. It's like the squishy surfaces of yeah. playgrounds and things like that. And what's the plan for this? What's the plan for Brad? Is he going to grow and grow and grow as well? It's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how big is your backyard? Uh, yeah, so well, we've moved out of the backyard. <laughs> okay. So had to kind of everything was hitting the limits. My roommates were kind of climbing <laughs> over rubbish to get to do the laundry. So that hit its wow. um, capacity. So we are now in a warehouse. But to be honest, I'm just working that out. I'm still trying to figure out what the future of Brad is because I didn't think that it would get this big in five months. I didn't think that I'd be hitting one ton i didn't think we'd be going and picking up 60 to 70 parcels from the post poor post office so that's kind of at the moment a bit of a work in progress it's because there's so many other streams that i would love to include there's so many other things that you can recycle in australia but again it nobody knows about it and nobody knows how to is there something like a a proper waste management group could basically sort of build from and say look lottie we appreciate the work you've done in your backyard and and your little warehouse (laughs) But you know we're going to step it up here, and basically- it would be great if somebody could help. Yeah. Honestly, is 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 there conversations happening with the likes of I don't know garbage 
operating? Really? Not the councils? Really? I'm trying with councils at yeah. the moment. I'm trying with councils. I'm trying with a couple of big organisations who I'm kind of going, this would be amazing for you guys to offer this, to come on board to really mm. help propel this forward because it's kind of one of those things when it starts, you think, great, this is amazing. I'm yeah. so happy for people. And then you go, okay, hang on. This is ridiculous. Yeah. But I'm kind of putting a call out on Instagram, desperate saying, guys, we need volunteers. <laughs> Please come help us as the boxes are just piling and piling up. <laughs> It sounds so ridiculous, but it's an amazing problem to have and it's something that there will be a a more streamlined solution, I think, in the future. I'd love to have kind of drop-off points. I'd love it to be more accessible for people. I'd love to have collections in every state. I'd love it to offer kind of say we're going to do more of an e-waste drive, which is something we haven't touched yet, an e-waste drive for this month and we're going to take on different streams, which are really important as well because I think at the end of the day, when the volunteers come, it's an education for them. They're looking at all of these yeah. products in a different way. They've kind sure. of, you'd know, because yeah. being an environmental yeah. engineer, they're stepping out of the consumer yeah. and into the kind of product. Yeah. They're looking at everything from a packaging perspective. Okay, so a pump on a body wash, for example, yeah. has three different yeah. materials in it, which nobody would look at. You'd say, oh, that's a shampoo pump. Yeah. And you go, no, so you've got two different types of plastic and then you've got a metal spring. Mm. So how are we going to recycle mm. this? So it's really great, I think, for consumers to start thinking about it because then you're not just looking at these products is, oh, that's plastic and that's terrible. You're going, no, that's actually really difficult to recycle plastic mm, because mm. of X, Y, and Z, or that's a number five and that one is really hard to mm. recycle in my area. So these kinds of things. So yeah. it's a exciting, that's my next challenge at the moment is the future of Brad. Is there, is there a way of monetizing this? Like uh, obviously these individual waste streams and with all those different sort of tonnages, like could they be used to essentially make money? Like if, if they're making products out of it, like tables and chairs or whatever, is there an opportunity there to actually put on your Hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. at the at the moment when we first started, the we were kind of being done a favor by these guys mm. from taking the mm. waste because mm. we were getting such small amounts of mm. it. They were kind of not really taking me seriously yeah. because they were kind of going, Oh, what, you're getting a couple of bottle caps? And I'm yeah. going, No, no, definitely not. There's yeah. a couple more than that. So now we're able to have those conversations about being a player in this space, but it kind of is that issue that if you don't have that mass then you're not taken seriously. If you don't have the kind of hundreds of kilos, then they don't really, they kind of go, we don't really care about that because they're dealing with such big volumes. But wouldn't it be a great initiative to just trial in one local area or even one street or one neighbourhood, just say, look, send us all your unwanted items to a central location and we're going to see how successful it is and see if we can monetize it and then from there maybe consider scaling it up because obviously Australia does have a massive waste problem. And Scott Morrison's made a whole bunch of lofty commitments around reducing plastic and derivations and, and recycling more and we can't take our waste to China and those sort of places anymore. So there's obviously a need and an interest in doing this, but reducing our waste and reducing our plastic uh, usages, et cetera, and, and, get, and getting more recycling. But I guess what that looks like is sort of still yet to be sort of clearly scheduled out, I guess you'd say. But this for me sounds like a it could be a great idea. It, it is a great idea, but I'm thinking more big it's picture. It's an opportunity. Yeah. It's a huge opportunity, which yeah. I think is really exciting. And I think even if we just look at the waste export ban in general, I yeah. think it was a great move for us sure. because we now have to deal with our problem. Yeah. We've created this issue. We create this waste. We shouldn't just palm it off onto somebody else. We need to know what to do with it and how to yeah. manage it. So I think it's going to be a really exciting time. And I think that there will have to be innovation in this space in the next couple of years because the amount of 
just, I don't know, distrust in the Australian recycling mm, yeah. industry is really, yeah. like Australians don't trust it. Mm. They trust Brad more than they trust yeah. their local council's recycling yeah. bin because they don't trust their neighbours who don't know how to recycle properly. Yeah. So they're kind of going, well, if they're putting polystyrene mm. in their bin, then I know that that, re- that whole garbage rubbish truck is just going to go straight to landfill Mm, so mm. why would i recycle that way so i think there's so many different levels we need to first of all come in at that education we need to get people to be recycling better people need to know it it needs to be second nature Mm. and then we need to be able to provide these amazing facilities so that people can recycle better thanks for listening to the ocean protect podcast episodes are released weekly and the next episode will feature part two of this chat If you'd like to find out more about us and what we do, check us out at oceanprotect.com.au.